and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You're joined here by your usual hosts, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, how are we doing? Um, we've thawed out. We, we have thawed out. We can get back to work now. Although our um, our guests are calling from Canada, so that they probably think we're, uh, we're we're being daft for like getting all caught up in what was it a foot of snow? Yeah. Uh. Like, what do you guys normally get? Uh, where, where in where in Toronto are you guys based? Sorry, Quarry Road is in the West End. I'm in the mid North End. Right, um, but it doesn't actually get that much snow in Toronto. We're close to the big lake of Ontario, Lake Ontario, and uh, that has a moderating effect, I guess. Okay, all right. Is that a little bit more temperate where you guys are then? It's still cold today. What is it? Minus five today Celsius. Oh, okay. Yeah, minus five tropical. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, uh, we we are joined on the line uh, today by Richard and Corey, and uh, you guys have been working on a new board game that you've uh, brought to Kickstarter. So why don't you tell us a bit about the the game and uh, how you play it? Uh, sure. Actually, we had a really great great game this morning with um, a owner of a board game cafe here in Toronto, and there's twenty of these board game cafes throughout the city. Uh, and he really enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. basically, we explained to him that you got to get three pawns up these six moving rings to the very top. And you use three cards that are dealt each time. And they are color cards, and mm-hmm. they also have a number on them. You have to play the color of the square that you're landing on. But the number, um, that's for turning the rings, and that's optional. But you know, if you have a number three and you turn three to the left and that happens to match the color, well, guess what? You move up. Oh, combinations right. I showed. Yeah, right? So I, there's different combinations. So when you first dealt three cards, you, in my case, I had a red, a blue, or sorry, red or, or yellow and a white. And I sort of said, here, I can put three pawns right on the board, bottom level, boom, I'm in the game. Or, and I showed him uh, that you can put one on one, say the red one, the other one is say, a three uh, white card. I can spin three and climb up three. And then the other one might be a one yellow. And so I spin one and climb up one. So I've got one pawn on the uh, third level up. My other two aren't in play, but I'm less exposed for the jumping and bumping that happens afterwards because you can jump your, or you can bump your opponents down. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this is, this is um, what's quite interesting about this game from what I read is that you know, at, at, at first it seems quite, you know, like quite quite a pleasant family game, but like all great uh, tabletop games, you can be horrible to each other. Not only that, but you can do it in a cascading fashion. So if I bump someone down two spaces, as you're allowed to do, and there's another pawn there, they can bump, they get bumped down further, and so on. So you can be horrible to multiple people in the same action. That's just the dream. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were looking at the Kickstarter page earlier, and the thing that sprung to my mind was with the sort of visual uh, design of the games, very striking with the uh, the circles and very bright colours, made me immediately think of, you know, classic family games like Frustration and Uno. Was that something that you guys were going for? I like the idea of um, something family-oriented, Mm-hmm. And uh, the abstract nature of the game, we never really deviated from that. We were asked, do you want to theme it with something by others? But we stuck with the 
the uh, bright colors that are, as you said, very aesthetically uh, eye-catching, sort of like Eileen Donan. For those of uh, our listeners who are not aware, is an iconic Scottish castle that we were talking about uh, just before we started recording. Yes, um, I castle. was ignorant. <laughs> yeah, but I'm English or Sassanac. Yeah, as as we get called. <laughs> just gonna say that we liked, you know, um, and all the different colors. It's a great game, um, or at least a game where you could, I don't know, depending on your situation, if you're, uh, you know, you could play for ten minutes and then leave it on your table and then have a bite to eat and then you'd want to come back to it and you mm-hmm. wouldn't be if you know it wouldn't be out of place just to leave it on the table. So we were aiming for something a little bit more beautiful and striking. Mm-hmm. A, a game, if you will, designed to appeal to the C word. Yeah, that those guys too. I mean, Casuals. I have, I have a couple kids, not not yeah, the, the different C word. But uh, I have a couple kids, boys, nine and eleven. Like okay. they they treat the game, they play the game much differently than I would say I would. Mm-hmm. Like to do a lot of bumping. Yeah, a lot more Maybe. aggressive. That, that's how we would play it, I think. Probably. Yeah. My, exactly. my, whenever I go into a game like this, my I, I must admit, sometimes my objective isn't to win the game, but to irritate Ben yeah. the most. <laughs> um, I really like, actually, just what you were saying earlier, you know, that you decided not to um, theme the game around anything. I think it's quite nice, actually, just to see an abstract game out there, which there's a lot of games out there where you feel like the theme has just been slapped on and it's been a bit of an afterthought, so... I think theme can be a bit divisive to certain players as Mm -hmm. well, you know, like, um, I think think there's a a certain portion of the market Mm -hmm. for whom, you know, when they see space marines or goblins plastered all over everything, it's it's quite off-putting, because they equate that with... um, like sweaty basement dwellers and all that sort of thing. So, and and I think you know our aim was maybe we did we did Richard and I did spend a lot of time you know should we theme it and the game's pretty pure in its in its current form. So, you know, it, it, theming it might have actually made it made it feel a little bit more cluttered and not as not as pure when you take it out of the box. Yeah, it's like you've got. You've got six sets of three pawns in each color. Uh, there's there's uh, six colors on each dit on each ring, and there's six rings. So it's it's very symmetrical in terms of the way that it's been designed. Mm-hmm. And we just um, kind of hit our heads against the wall, saying, "Oh, should we should we theme it?" And we just kept coming back to, "Let's just keep it simple. It's pretty nice." Did, so, did, did you ever at any point have a specific theme in mind? I certainly did not. No, no, no. I did when not. You, I... When I would say on my on from my point of view is when you start to figure out names of the game, that's when you start to go, okay, should you theme it? Like we had all sorts of. I think we had fifty or sixty different names, mm-hmm. and um, down to a name of a game is 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 challenging. Right, so, um, you know, I think I think one of the names that it started off was Rings of Saturn, um, okay. but then we're like, well, that's kind of a space game. Yeah, but, uh, which um, has we a, a, 
as Ben was saying earlier, could potentially put some people off who otherwise wouldn't be when it's just abstract. I, th- I think theme is fine, but with any product, you do need to have a target audience mm. in mind. And if the theme is going to put the game at cross purposes in terms of who your target audience mm-hmm. is, then there, there's no point trying to shoehorn that in. Like, if, um, uh, like, uh, like these gentlemen here, that they they wanted to design a family game that could appeal to any type of gamer, putting a theme on that uh, could potentially harm that effort. Mm. I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, some of the games that... That was very much our thinking, exactly. So the more theme you uh, slap onto the game, the fewer people are now going to be interested in your game. That's just how it works. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a really interesting analogy if you're into beer. Do you like beer? I do. (laughs) Okay. So Heineken is the best-selling beer across the world. Why? Because it tastes tasteless. or different. Exactly, right? Pretty much, right? What it, what it does the good job of is it offends the fewer fewest number of people. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like, well, it's not enough alcohol or it's just too flabby or it's not enough, uh, you know, this or that. So it's only going to appeal to a small group. So again, coming back to Centrix, that is in fact what we were thinking at the end of it is the game people, if we don't go slapping a, a game of, I don't know, or a theme of, say, mountain goats climbing up a hill or something like that, which would have been forced, in our opinion. Yeah, and I think you can always tell when a theme has been forced onto a game You can, as well. but, but just, just to pick up that point, Richard, because it's quite an interesting uh, analogy, um, but, but by making a game that, that's inoffensive, that that's devoid of theme, are you as a designer not concerned that by adopting that as your design philosophy that you're never going to make an exceptional game? Uh, hmm, interesting thought. We didn't think of Centrix as being the game to end all games, no. I don't think we were that conceited. We thought of it as a light game and one that people would actually enjoy. Um, we had a lot of game designers, like real bona fide game designers play test the game. Mm-hmm. We'll say, well, you know, I don't really play abstract games, but I'll, I'll give it a try. And after sitting there five rounds later trying to unlock the strategy of how to win at this game, we realized, well, you know, okay, it is a good game and it's fun enough for these people who actually don't believe, even believe in abstract games that there's, there's really no reason for us to go back to any kind of theme on it. So I, I don't think, uh, yeah, we, we haven't created the game to end all games, Ben. A fun, enjoyable 20 to 30 minutes for pretty much anyone who uh, enjoys any kind of game. So the, the, the game I, to I, end all games will come later? Is there ever a game to end all games? I don't know for me. might like a type of music or a singer for a time period and then I won't listen to them for six months or a year and I'll go, oh wow, I hear that song again and I love it. Well, that's, that, that brings us back to the theme and flavor question, isn't it? It's much like, um, like much like music. It's at least the games that I like. I mean, I might play Dominion with our family. My my sons are nine, eleven. I mentioned, and they love Dominion for about two years. Uh-huh. You know, seven expansion sets, and but we haven't played Dominion for probably five months now. We're on to Ticket to Ride and scotland yard stuff like that now mm-hmm. yeah got their old mainstays in in our kind of game shelf that you saw in the video which would be like blockus like that's a great game to pick up for 
you know, 20 minutes. It's got good strategy. I always forget with how to play the pieces. And then by the end, I'm like, oh, shoot, I played the game wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, by that time, by that time, other folks had won. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got classic games. So, you know, we we think the game Centrix is really unique and fun. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to play it like you probably play any other game. You play it for a few times and then you put it away. Maybe you play if you're having game night, you'll you'll play it for the first 30 minutes to an hour, have some drinks with your friends and on yep. to kind of a, a much deeper, longer game, you know, that's on Kickstarter or, or somewhere else with a with miniatures or whatever, you know, whatever the, the guys and or gals are interested in. Yeah. No, it, and it's it, it certainly, like I was saying uh, before, I like the fact that it doesn't have a theme. It's very striking visually. Like I say, for me, uh, Echoes, uh, the, obviously a very different game to the likes of Frustration and Uno, mm-hmm. but that sort of very clean design I really liked it, about it's it. Like, it's like Coldplay, isn't it? Everyone has Coldplay songs that they like. Everyone has Coldplay songs, their music library. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine that with Centrix. Yeah. It's, this it's is clean, something it's that... stripped down, and you can imagine a lot of people having a copy. Yeah. Corey, I was actually admiring your gaming shelf on the, the video uh, just earlier. I, I did notice the multiple expansions for Dominion, which was great to see. Uh, but what what games have you been playing lately with your family then? Uh, well, we've been doing a lot of Centrics, so we launched... <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we had a big launch party here, which was really fun. We had about 60 people come to that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and introduced all our prototypes to those folks. And so that's been a big focus, but we've got a couple games for um, Christmas. Um, Santorini, we we haven't cracked that open yet, but we have it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ride's a big hit. Um, Ticket, I love Ticket to Ride, actually. It's it's, it's a game I don't play enough. Um, is, it, is it just the North American one you've got? Have you got some of the expansions as well? The the, the world one or the European one, mm-hmm. is, which is really fun. And yeah. it introduces a whole bunch of cities and countries uh, to the kids, which is awesome. Yeah. And they, and they tend to play the game a little bit differently then I guess adults, they always come up with kind of interesting strategies mm-hmm. to try to string along the, tra- the trains. And then uh, there's a couple games that we played recently. Scotland Yard, that was a game my wife played as a kid. That's kind of a fun game. I mean, if I don't you, love it. I was going to say, I, if you... If you like Scotland Yard, may not be entirely appropriate for your children, but uh, there's a very similar game called Letters from <laughs> may, White. May not be appropriate for children. <laughs> you heard well, it here first, folks. Well, it's based on. It's basically the same mechanic of Scotland Yard, but it's based on Jack the Ripper. It's heavy. So we we've been playing that one, and that one. I, I mean, it's not my favorite, but uh, my wife loves it because she's mm-hmm. she's always the. Um, um, the, the the guy getting away. And the, yeah. This is Scotland Yard, not Letters from Whitechapel, just to clarify. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, this game called Chain Lightning, which was done in the 80s. It's very colorful, like Centrix. Yeah. And it's kind of a domino theme, um, but a bit of a, it's a little bit different. And then there's an old game called Can't Stop that, like, whenever you want a very simple to play quick game, with um, a little bit of gambling, so to speak, involved in it. Um, 
fun game with adults and kids, especially mm-hmm. with more conservative folks, because it's a dice it's a dice throwing game. And yeah, if you if you think you can move your pawn all the way to the top, you keep rolling. Miss, you go back to the back to the start. Right. So there's always push your luck elements. Yeah. I think that's the in your last Yeah. Well, speaking of push your luck games, I did notice. Did I, did I see uh, King of Tokyo on your shelf as well? Did we we have that one? I don't love it to be honest with you. I mean, it's I know it's a super popular game. Yeah. The kids, the kids love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just couldn't get into it for some reason. Um, it, but uh, I know it's maybe yeah. I'll give it another. I'll give it another try. Just kind of like music. Maybe didn't like it the first time. Maybe it was because it took too long to learn, even though it didn't. It's just a fun all. game, I think. There's not a whole lot of depth to it. And I, th- I think that's maybe the, the appeal, is that you just stomp around punching big monsters and don't really have to think very much about what you're doing. So it's a, it's a, a good sort of beer and pretzels game, I mm. think. Yes. And then I was going to say there are games that uh, and the kids like because they always win, and I tend not to like those games. So, uh... <laughs> Funnily enough, I have similar criteria for liking and disliking games as well. <laughs> if I win at this game... I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, play that again. It's such a great game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Richard, what, what have you been playing lately? I play Scrabble every single day, and it's uh, Words with Friends, so it's online. Mm-hmm. And I love that game. I always do. Um, but more exciting, interesting games. Um, I was introduced to Dutch Blitz, uh, which is an ancient game, and mm-hmm. I got onto that one. It's quite exciting because it's really fast-paced. I like it moving fast. Mm-hmm. Millborns as well is an oldie. Uh, I was really intrigued by the mechanic of these having to fix tires and speed up and whatever that you're doing with these cars, uh, and I got reasonably okay at that. But really exciting, two really exciting new games that uh, we got was Hive and Number 9. I love those games. Hive is so cool with the different movements so it's yeah. kind of like hexagonal chess or something is that I've seen it name? it looks really interesting um, so probably probably would make my brain sort of melt a little and dribble out of my ears but <laughs> it's uh, it looks like a really fun game uh, and you don't need to worry. You can talk about Scrabble until the cows come home. I, I absolutely... Um, I feel that like it's become a bit trendy to bash a lot of the old games in the sort of tabletop circle. Well, some of them rightfully so. Monopoly the- is shit. <laughs> Monopoly is shit, yeah. Please, may I say Monopoly? <laughs> but oh. but I, I always say, right, well, okay, play Scrabble. And I think Scrabble, given how old it is, because I think its first printing was the 50s, right? Given how old it is, it has aged remarkably well. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but Monopoly is shit. We, we, we can agree that Monopoly is a bad game, yep. yes. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the title of this episode. What? <laughs> Monopoly's bad, more 11. No, Monopoly is shit. <laughs> We're not mincing words here, okay? <laughs> So, do you, uh, Richard, do you tend to uh, prefer some of the more abstract games yourself, then? Is that what you tend to find yourself playing? 
So generally, I haven't really gravitated to the read 75-page rule book and then play a game type game. <laughs> that's fair. You know, some people love it, and I think that's totally cool. I think that's great. And they have usually they'll develop a, like a, a real community around it. They get together weekly and they play these games, and that's uh, those games have a really good place. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do those kinds of war gaming war games when I was in my teens as a kid, and but I was looking for like. Desert War, World War II, um, you know, Monty versus Rommel. Uh, and and for me, it was just like reliving a kind of bit of history with yeah. the actual battalions and brigades and regiments and everything that were involved in it, not so much the game. Was this with miniatures, Richard, or these like the uh, the very old school war games with just paper tokens? The paper tokens, yeah. yeah. You know, they were like a square centimeter, roughly. Mm-hmm. No, I know the ones you're talking about. I've seen uh, right. uh, a, a former work colleague and friend of mine from uh, from back in England plays them a lot as well, and they look very impressive. He loves them just because yeah, you can si- really sink your teeth into them, but uh, a, a lot of depth to those games. Yeah, well, I'm at the stage in my life where I need something a little more frivolous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have sort of three hours to do this game or the whole day or something, right? Yeah. So, speaking of life, what is the future for Centrix Games? Question. Future for Centrix Games is uh, I do know that uh, I'll be bringing a whole bunch more games into the world because mm-hmm. that is what I'm interested in is publishing. Mm-hmm. It will be a travel version of a Centrix, I suppose. There are other thoughts of, say, Corey in particular was uh, thinking, you know, you could turn this into an app even. That's yeah. a very imbe- that's a very costly investment to do that, but it mm-hmm. is de- definitely appable as a game. Uh, for now, we want to we want to publish Centrix, and then we'll kind of figure out where where we go from there. That's I know that's a, sounds like that's a good, good plan to me. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan to me. So your Kickstarter, how long uh, is left on this? Yeah, it's it's been. It's, we have an uphill go for the rest of the Kickstarter. We know that. Uh, we also do know that we can. Um, achieve that but it'll take some very creative activities on our part Mm -hmm. Um, we came to the kickstarter done probably enough on the social media and awareness of centrix all received on facebook instagram twitter he should probably have done a lot more on that and had a lot more awareness going out the gate so that's why it has been a little slow well, we we live and learn, don't we? And certainly, uh, I mean, Corey was saying it's starting to build a head of steam now. So hopefully, you uh, hopefully you reach that target, uh, but before the end of the uh, before the end of the drive. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, it's a game that once people watch the video, you guys have watched the video now. Mm-hmm. Um, once they see the spinning board, it's pretty unique, and we take it to. Like any of these game game board cafes and stores, people mm-hmm. come over and like, hey, what's that? Can I play? There's such a saturation of games right now in the market. Like, I don't know how you guys keep up with <laughs> the amount of games that are coming up. But, it's uh, very difficult. And <laughs> themes. And we thought this is a little bit different um, mm-hmm. than what the kind of the average game that's coming out. So it's definitely... Um, but it's for a lot of people yeah where is that line of gotta get on that kickstarter and pledge Mm -hmm. to hey that looks interesting 
where can I find it? Like I have people that, that aren't as kind of um, in tune with how Kickstarter works. has been an interesting exercise in explaining that you need to buy the game before in the seven days. Yeah. You can't buy it in a store. Yeah. And so that, that's been an interesting exercise because you can imagine a game like Centrix is, we're hoping that we get tons of Kickstarter fans, but there are also lots of non-Kickstarter fans that they're traditional. So that's been a real interesting learning experience um, for me. Yeah. The other learning experience I would say is, you know, what are the different ways to get the word out? And there's lots of different ways. Um, talking to you guys has been amazing. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully have, this will help. I hope so. You know, like it's how do you get the word out? Have a conversation about the game. Mm-hmm. Most gamers want to know, like, hey, am I going to be interested in this? Mm-hmm. That we created something pure, and that folks are going to be interested. You know, on you know, as a gateway game on a game night. Yeah. Or just sit down for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, Probably fingers crossed. Oh, sorry. What was that, Richard? Uh, or we just keep going to uh, game board cafes and converting owners one by one. Uh, we yes. were at the, the game board cafe we were at this morning was face to face games. Really nice place, actually, out in the East End that I'd never been to before. And the game owner afterwards said, "I enjoyed this game so much." He went off and he pledged right then yeah. and there. Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, I've actually heard of face to face games. They have, have a you? they have a Magic the Gathering team on the pro circuit. Oh, okay. So wow. they're they're one of the they're they're, they're the big one in uh, Canada. Good That's though. what he mentioned, and uh, he goes, "Yeah, we do a lot of Magic here." Yeah, <laughs> there we go. I'm glad my kids aren't into that yet because it's expensive. Oh yes, uh, I I more I spend more money than I'm willing to admit on a recording uh, on Magic the Gathering. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, I th- before we go, I've thought of and they can take or leave it, but I've thought of a little advertising pitch for Centrix. Okay, world famous beer brands don't make board games. But if they did, they there would we be go. Centrics. There we go. It's perfect. <laughs> and you can maybe dodge a lawsuit. Maybe. I don't know if Heineken own uh, that. I don't think they do. As long as you don't say Heineken. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So be, actually, a lawsuit would be wonderful because then there'll be so oh, much the publicity. <laughs> yeah. No such thing as bad Pay news. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, Richard, Corey, thank you very much for joining us on uh, this episode. Best of luck with the rest of the Kickstarter. We'll provide a link for all our listeners uh, to check out out the video of the gameplay and uh, pledge if you uh, like what you're seeing there. Uh, But until next time, uh, we'll uh, see you soon. Bye for now. Hi, guys. It's uh, Josh from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast here. Thanks for listening to us, and now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for The Unlucky Frog Gaming. Uh, You can also show your support for Unlucky Frog through Patreon. Be sure to check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com, to find out more. Was that so hard? (laughs) Look...